Welcome to the Like Destiny podcast. We're going to just ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us and learn from him what he's doing. Lord, we want to thank you so much that you're with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you just send us out into incredible places and we see your love at work. Thank you so much. Amen. I think that testimony you gave on uh, Sunday, Chris, was just wonderful, hearing what was happening to you as you were out on that outreach. And it's along those lines that I'm going to talk this morning um, because you're about to go off on your mission trip. It's like two weeks away, is it? Two weeks? Two weeks, yeah? Two weeks. So it's very close, isn't it? Um, and I'm going to talk to you, uh, the subject, if you like, is called uh, Protecting the Presence. And it's based on Bill Johnson's book, Hosting the Presence. Um, and I think it's just important when you're about to set off on that mission trip that you understand and realize it's Holy Spirit who's with, it, with you and everything that you're doing is tying in with him, really, being aware of him and what he's doing. So let's, we'll, we'll do um, this study or look at what I'm feeling that God's saying to us about ho- protecting the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll look at uh, the next part of that um, Holy Spirit video we were watching last week, because it ties in with this, really. Okay, so, you know, when we grow up in an environment where little presence is displayed, we don't always understand what Jesus teaches, do we? It's like, you know, if you're in an environment where they don't even mention the Holy Spirit, it's very difficult when you read some of the things that Jesus is asking people to do to, like, cotton on what it is that's happening. Um, But we're in a season when the presence of the Holy Spirit is much, much, much stronger than it is. I mean... The things I see you doing now, oh gosh, if I go back to when I first got saved, it would have, you would have been like a Bill Johnson. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You doing the stuff that you do now, it would, would be unbelievable. It was like we long to see those days and you're actually walking in them. So thank you very much for being faithful enough to like go with it because it's very encouraging. Um, but let's look at, Uh, Luke 10, verse 4. Luke 10, verse 4. Just turn it up. So this is Jesus sending out the 70. Um, So we've talked about that in the past. We We know that when we were looking at authority, we saw that Jesus sent out the 12 and the 70, and we see that authority just carries on coming all the way. He gives us authority. But let's look a bit more in detail as to what he says to those 70. And remember, those 70 aren't qualified and they're probably less qualified than than you are. They've had less training than you are. They're just the periphery of his group of disciples and he's sending them out. So he says to them, um, Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking, such things as they give, for the labourer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. 
But wherever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to, my, uh, clings to us, um, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it, it, it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom than for that city. So there we go. Jesus is sending out a team. And you could imagine he's sending you out. And um, you know, just notice he sends them out with nothing. That, now, <laughs> we try to take care of you, really. <laughs> so on this mission trip you're going to, any details? Have we got any details where you're going, where you're staying? Yeah, Do you know yeah. anything, Chris? Oh, don't. Have you? Yeah. So where are you going? Ten. Ten. Tain. Tain. Never heard of it. Anyway, you're going to Tain in Scotland. And is that a church? It will there? Right. Um, and there's like a couple that we're going to be staying with. Okay, so you've got some accommodation. Yeah, me and my companion are going to be sharing rooms and just trying to get away. Okay. And then on the schedule, we've got a little bit of like, so we have a few days just to ourselves. Right. To yeah. And then the other things we're doing is we're going to like out with some streets. We're going, the boys are going to play football, things with people. We've got some stuff in this like cafe that's like. Okay. Okay. And you're doing anything in the church itself? Yeah, we're going to go and encourage them. Wonderful. So it's all prepared. You've got some food. You've got some accommodation. Uh, you're taking your clothes with you. You've got an itinerary. They're all looking after you. Um, you're going to be cared for. A little bit different to what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus sent them out. He said, make sure you take nothing. You know, don't take any money. Don't take any food. Don't take any, anything with you. Um, so it's a rather different to how we are treating you, really. Uh, so, see, Jesus intentionally sent them in over their heads. It's like, take nothing with you, nothing that you can rely on. Now go out there. And you're like, oh, gosh, it's just over the top. I mean, I don't know whether you can remember what it was like when you learned to swim. But for me, it was like, well, when you learn to swim, floating is easy. It's like, it's simple. When you're learning to swim, it's like it's like a brick and you sink to the bottom and you don't know why. <laughs> you watch these people float and you think, this is impossible. <laughs> and it's a bit like this with Jesus doing his 70. Out you go. I'm sending you a sheep in the middle of wolves. It's like, ah. So they stepped into a situation that they, were, they would need each other. Well, but you're certainly going to need each other. And that's what I have been sharing with you is rely on one another, trust one another, honor one another, minister to in, you know, at least in a pair because you don't all get all the revelation. Uh, you know, um, trust somebody's leading worship, trust somebody's leading the service, you know, and, and honor each other in it. This is exactly what he was doing with his team, sending them out in pairs. They would have to trust one another. And they would need to discover the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because if they didn't, it would be like absolute loss. So the goal was for them to learn the work of the Holy Spirit who was with them. So that was the whole goal of their mission trip. And to be honest with you, this is the goal of your mission trip. It's not to do a wonderful church service and speak eloquently 
and, you know, everybody to give you a big praise. It's for you to go and be aware of, experience, try to learn the language of the spirit of the kingdom. So in it, you can flow with him, right? So fortunately, it's not quite like the 70. You've got a place that's going to be kind to you. You've got a place that's going to respect you. Um, and But you still will have enough challenge. You know, there's a out on the street, this football match, the, uh, the coffee shop. There's enough challenge there for you. And it's how you approach that challenge, which is now the important thing. I mean, you've been learning how to preach. You've been learning how we've been learning how to pray for each other. You know, we've been doing a lot of training, probably far more training than the 70 ever got, right? Um, and you're now at a point where you're ready to, like, launch out and be, you know, Jesus pushing you out, off you go. But he doesn't send you on your own. He sends you with Holy Spirit, of course. So Jesus was interested in connecting them to the process of hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what, it was, that was what the key was. It was um, more interested in that than the outcome of their mission trip. To be honest with you, it was them learning to connect with and host the presence of God. Um, so, to be honest with you, I mean, I've spent my life, Christian life, learning how to host the presence of God within a church setting how to sense where he's going, where the Holy Spirit's going, how to move with him, how to pray for people, uh, how to see healings come, uh, how to be involved in intercessory prayer, seeing events change in the world. I, that's where I have invested my time and life. It's been good. But you, as a group, are far more advanced than I am in terms of learning how to host the presence of the Holy Spirit out on the streets. I mean, just hearing your story on Sunday, I'm thinking, I don't, don't mind me saying this, I'm thinking, who is this Chris chap? He was on our school just a few months ago, and all of a sudden I'm seeing a guy that's growing in character and in a rare awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit such that he can interact with a guy on the street and there's a real encounter with God. Now, that is like, you are ahead of me really on that it's still something that i'm trying to learn so when i'm sharing these things with you you know please bear in mind that i am still trying to learn them as well <laughs> okay and i wanted to share one experience just recently i had um and it's all about that learning the host to host the presence of the holy spirit so i think it must have been a couple of schools ago when hannah um Hadcroft was doing the school. Uh, I got a chance to go to with the um, I Destiny to York, and I think they had gone to spend the day with a church in York, and um, they were going to do some street evangelism. So me and Kath thought York's a lovely place. We'll book a hotel <laughs> and turn up, you know, when they're out on the street there. But we'll have our lovely hotel to go back to. So <laughs> that's what we did. So we booked our hotel, and. Um, we, you know, were scheduled to meet in this little square in York. And when we got there, the students were there with roses and sweets and things like that. And I have to say, please, it's like 
And it's not my thing, really, handing out roses and sweets. I always think this is just an odd thing, personally. I'm just talking personally. I feel like, why are you doing that? Now, I understand, you see, like you gave a little card, and I'd be thinking, why are we doing that little cards? And yet, it was way in which a guy responded to God. So I understand it, but for just personally, I'm thinking, ah, what I really want to do is know where you are, Holy Spirit. I want to go there. Right, that's what I want. But I'm, you know, I'm just like, don't feel anything, don't think anything, trying to deal with my nervousness because now there's a whole group of people I don't know and how I am going to talk to them. All of that things wells up in me. Uh, like, will I be able to have a conversation with anybody? I doubt that I can have a conversation. I'm trying to deal with those feelings and I'm trying to want to feel you, Holy Spirit. So fortunately, Irvin's there. He was leading the group and um, he said to me, shall we go and have a coffee in that coffee shop? And I thought, that's the best evangelistic advice I'd ever heard that. So, so we walked, me and Kath and Irving went to this coffee shop and he had a few chairs outside. So we went and sat on those chairs and we sat talking for, oh, it must have been 20 minutes, having our tea and coffee. And eventually Irving says, well, I'm going to have to get up now and go um, to see uh, the other students who had left with the flowers and the sweets and that and, you know, going along and encourage them. So me and Kath are left here, and as he's Irving is walking away, this guy who had really had not taken any notice of, there's a family here, there's a husband and wife, and then the wife's mum and dad are sat around this table. And the, the guy shouts, well, not shouts, but he, he talked quite loudly across to his um, father-in-law, that's my doctor, I'm sure that's my doctor that's just walked away there. And I think it's my dad's doctor as well. Now, Kath hears this and says, oh, do you know Irving then? Well, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's my doctor. I'll go and get him. So Kath brings back Irving, which starts a conversation, of course. And Irving's very apt at talking to people. So he's talking to them and it's a lovely introduction. And then you think, you've gone all the way from here to York you're sitting on a table in a cafe in a certain square at a certain time and a, per and a family that's next to you have come from Lim on the same day to the same square at the same time in the same cafe who are saying, that's my doctor. So Irving's here now talking to them and they're just, you know, you, you're sensing. I, now I am beginning to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't before, right? Irving told me afterwards. When he asked me to go for a coffee, he felt the Holy Spirit said, go to that coffee shop. Now, he never told me that. And then when we were in the coffee shop, he felt the Holy Spirit say, go and sit at that table. And we went and sat at that particular table. And we were there for 20 minutes. And he got up and he thought, mm, maybe I didn't pick up on what Holy Spirit was doing then. So all of a sudden, I'm now beginning to feel, oh, Maybe this is an encounter. Maybe this is, a, you know, God-organized thing, this going on. So he's chatting. Then Irving says this quite ridiculous thing. But if you remember the confidence of the people that we watched last week, you know, in the film, when, you know, have you got anything wrong with you? You know, they were very confident that God would intervene. The guy was saying, I've had these night terrors. And he says, do you want to be free from them? Because I know how he can get you free, right? So there, there's confidence. So Irving says to these, Look, we're, we're here, we're learning, um, we're from an international school, and we're learning. 
<laughs> and we're learning how to pray for people. In fact, we're not really learning. We're pretty good at it. So is anybody here sick? So the father-in-law says, well, I am about to go into hospital. In fact, next week I'm having my knee replaced because it's very painful. So he says, well, we, we know that Jesus heals. So would you like some prayer for your knee? So he says, well, I suppose so. He says, hang on a minute. I'll go and get some two wonderful dolly birds to pray for you. So I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> anyway, he goes off and gets Hannah and Alice to come and pray for the father-in-law. So this is going on now over in that corner. And I'm talking to the guy. And the guy is telling me about his business and his struggle with his business because he's a professional photographer. Stunning photographs. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, the sort of thing, uh, he takes photographs of, um, like, football stars. And you think, how on earth could you ever take a picture like that? And then you realize it's like six different photographs that he's merged together into one. And, you know, Ryan Giggs, it just looks stunning. But he, because he had had an illness for a year, his business was really struggling and he didn't know how to get it back up again or whatever. So I found myself prophesying over his business and talking to him about what, you know, wisdom I was having for him and his business. All of a sudden, father-in-law is now stamping his foot on the floor like this. The pain's gone. It's all gone. I don't believe it. It's all gone. <laughs> so, so anybody else want prayer? So the, the wife now says, well, me, please. I ain't got. So Alice and um, uh, Hannah come over to pray for, and she's going, crying and saying, you know, we go to church, but, you know, it's just wonderful. And, it's, and you just realize that you were in an encounter, right? An encounter with God. God had set it up. And I suppose that what's in my heart is I want to learn more of that. Because he sent 70 people out with nothing and for them just to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. And in that being reliant on the Holy Spirit, they had everything they needed. So if I could learn the same way that I've learned in church to be out there, I think I'll be doing all right. So whilst I'm encouraging yourselves, it's an opportunity now on this mission trip to learn to host the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not to learn principles, not to learn how to do the best sermon, not to learn how to do the best worship, not to learn how to um, uh, uh, be nice amongst a group of people in Scotland. It's to learn how to host Holy Spirit and to go where he's going. Right, that's what you're after. So the next thing we need to note is that um, they were to let their peace come upon the household. Remember it says, you know, when you go into that household, release your peace. And if it stays there, great. And if not, it will come back to you. Well, I'm sure that that's a lot more than saying shalom, you know, and shaking somebody's hand. It, it's, there's something different here that they were doing. See, the world thinks that peace is the absence of something. It's the absence of noise. You know, if you've got noisy neighbours, what you would love is a peaceful life with the noise stopping. You know, that's what you'd love. Uh, or it's the absence of war. You know, we don't want to, we've had no wars here in Europe for over 
many years now, it's been lovely. You know, that's peace. Or it's the absence of conflict. There's no conflict between you and your husband or your wife, you know, and it's peace. But peace for us, it's not that. Peace is a person, isn't it? It's a person. So when Jesus said, go to that house and release your peace, what's he talking about? It's releasing a person. So, um, just my one, uh, one experience of peace. Um, I think I told you that Kath at one time had um, bowel cancer, was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And your mind, I have to say, go, can go into a tailspin because it just can quickly run ahead of you, telling you all of the things that could possibly happen and whatever, you know. And you have to keep bringing your mind back to the truth that Jesus knows everything. And then he's done everything necessary to heal us, etc., etc., etc. So, um, I remember, you know, and we've been declaring a, a scripture promise that God had given us. And I remember walking into work, declaring this promise. And it was as if I, I was in the car park. It was as if a blanket came down over me. Now it wasn't a blanket; it's a person. It's the person who came. It's the person the Holy Spirit came. And I, the reality then that I knew 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 that it would always be a good report for Kath. So that's like six years ago when it's always been a good report. And she's totally free. So I'm just saying that you, what, you are, what Jesus was telling them to do was, of course, release the person of the Holy Spirit into this house. And if they then sense that he remained there, a bit like Noah. Do you remember Noah sends the dove out? And then the dove comes back. And of course he didn't find anywhere to land. And then he sends a dove out again. And the dove finds somewhere to land. So it's a, it was to me it's like he's saying to us that we can be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Going and finding a person of peace to rest on. You know an honourable person. So our ability to respond to this command of Jesus to release peace over a household is central to his instruction for ministry. Because that's what we do in church life. We say, you know, I, I teach you, pray, kingdom come. Or pray, Holy Spirit come. What are you doing? You're inviting him into this situation. that You're, you're inviting his presence in. I, I get you to recognize the feelings of, the sensations of the Holy Spirit. I get you to be, uh, what does your body feel like when you're here in this presence? What does it, how does it respond? Um, uh, how, what does it feel like when you're praying for someone? Uh, so that you, you recognize him, you recognize his presence. Um, you know, we'll watch the manifestation of the Spirit on somebody, and it helps us reckon, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is here. You know, he's found someone that he wants to rest upon, right? And we, we see it in all sorts of ways. They may shake, they may, uh, eyes may flutter, they may breathe heavily, they may glow, they may uh, shake, they may cry. You know, it's just loads of ways in which it happens when the Spirit of God comes on them. And, you know, you're trying to learn this language, so that when you've released or invited the kingdom of God to come, you can see it, you can recognize it. You see, 
it's tied directly to our ability to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why he's sending you out there so that you can be in a vulnerable position. So now all this, which was quite safe environment here, is now put the test in a more vulnerable environment, right? You have become more vulnerable, right? And to be honest with you, it's hard to release with any consistency what you've not been aware of. You know, if you're conscious of his presence, it will always increase the impact that it has. But if you're not conscious of his presence, you're just a bit floundering, really, but where you are. <laughs> so one of the mysteries of life is that a primary role of a believer is the stewardship of a person, the abiding presence, who is the Holy Spirit. Well, that's amazing. I think it's just stunningly amazing father's gift to us the holy spirit and then we get this wonderful privilege to steward his presence right that's what we're doing so you know jesus is called the prince of peace and the holy spirit is called the spirit of christ i is the person of peace and it's him jesus said go into 70 out with nothing now release him and where you see him for all, go and heal the sick. If you doesn't find a place to rest on, well, leave them and walk away. Now, because in the church life, we never really do much teaching about this hosting and being aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we probably would never walk away with, oh gosh, it's difficult here, isn't it? No, we try hard and then, well, nothing happened there and you walk away feeling a bit, well, God never turned up, did he? Well, maybe if we were more conscious of his presence, he might not have even gone there in the first place, right? Because the person yet wasn't ready and wasn't willing to host the presence of the Holy Spirit, maybe. So we're not after a set of principles. I mean, I could have taught you all sorts of principles. I remember, remember us watching the, um, um, what's it, Randy Clark video, where he says, you know, there's, He's got five principles of healing, which I believe in totally, completely, and I can teach you all about them. And where they are, there's more impact. But something overrides all of this, which is the grace of God. And it's not principles, it's a person. It's learning to yield to and move with the person. That's the key, not learning and being eloquent of the principles. Although you will get somewhere with principles, you will, absolutely but you'll get far more when it's the person that you're following. So, peace is a two-edged sword. Um, it's calming and wonderful to the believer, like my story with Kath and with the cancer. It's just stunningly wonderful peace of God. Stunningly wonderful. But it's highly destructive and invasive for the powers of darkness. In Romans 16, verse 20, Paul said, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. <laughs> that is what peace does. It just destroys the work of the enemy. And it's the Holy Spirit, you know, there's the Prince of Peace coming with you. And it's going to be destructive of any element of darkness that's there. Right? So this is your assignment. You're going to Tain in Scotland. This is your assignment. Release the person of peace when you enter a home. 
For in doing so, you will release the presence that is the actual atmosphere of heaven. Okay? You'll release it to yielded hearts while at the same time undermining the powers of darkness that are at work in tame. For that atmosphere is exercised through the person of the Holy Spirit. So you're going with an incredible privilege to release the presence of the Holy Spirit and to see the works of the enemy just totally destroyed. So like that guy, his name Andy was here last week and he had the back problem and he said, let's pray for your legs. And I have to say inside me, I think, I hope this works, I hope this works. Because <laughs> I don't want you to be disappointed. Because <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I've done it many times, pray for people's legs and nothing happens. I've prayed for people's legs and it shot my arm out longer than the other leg and then the other leg's grown as well. And the person's gone, oh gosh, all my pain's gone. So I was hoping <laughs> that it would work. And of course he gives his testimony on Sunday, doesn't he? Encounters the person of peace, presence of the Holy Spirit. Encounter him. What's that encounter done? He's gone, I want to come to this church. I want to, he said, I just, it's just wonderful. I want to come here. And I want to come on I destiny because it's just opened him up to something that is like, this is so real. Wonderful. So there's your assignment. Release the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what does God long for, though, in you? You see, for God, miracles are as simple as breathing. There's no effort involved. But this is not what his desires are focused on when he's looking at us. He wants our hearts and in that comes down to just trust. That's what he's looking for. That's why Jesus sent them out with nothing. All they could do was trust that what he said was true and that what he said would happen and that as they would invite the kingdom of God and say that the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here now, they would become aware of the presence of the Spirit resting upon you. <gasps> it's resting girl there we've got to go and pray for this girl or it's resting on this family that was just sat in york next to me oh how i wish i was more sensitive so that i would have picked up what irving was let's go and sit in that coffee let's sit at that table right next to that family there because the the presence is this is place where the, you know my peace can rest and a man can get healed and a lady can talk about her relationship with God. And uh, business can be prophesied over. You know, that's what he wanted to do, be involved in. So he wants our hearts and it comes down to trust. You know, can I trust you that you said go into all the world and make disciples? Can I trust you that when I've got nothing, when I'm vulnerable, you have everything? So to honour God... We have to live in such a way that unless God shows up, what we are attempting to do is bound to fail. Because that's what it was like with them. Unless God turned up, it was going to fail. And in a sense, I want you, when you go to Tain, to live like that. Unless God turns up, it's going to fail. Because you're, what you are learning is not how to do services or, or play worship or do like You are learning to host him. And follow him where he wants to go and get involved in what he likes to do. 
So just say, I'll be vulnerable. Now, if your fear attacks you, you know, because you're feeling like, I'm vulnerable. (laughs) This is going to be dangerous. It's really, it's abandonment was the whole nature of Jesus in his ministry, wasn't it? He was abandoned to the Father. He just followed what Father was doing. And for us, it seems like the most vulnerable position, i.e. Jesus sending the 70 out with nothing and being living a life where if it doesn't, if he doesn't turn up, it fails, actually is the most secure place to be. Because all of a sudden, you're relying upon the God who is your provider rather than on yourself or on what anything that's been organized and set up for you, right? You're relying on that. My father loves me and he cares for me, right? He says to you, go into a city, find a place to stay. Don't bring any money. Don't take enough clothing that you can take care of yourself for extended periods of time. Make yourself vulnerable in your abandonment to my purposes so that, uh, so that unless I show up to provide and direct, it will not work. When we were trying to find a church building, we had all sorts of plans and we were going to buy a, a building with the side of sale. Oh, gosh, we did a lot of work. We had um, architects involved. We had, uh, you know, we went for planning permissions, change use, did all of that, uh, you know, and it was, we were going to get a mortgage and Andy had worked out we could pay the mortgage with, you know, the incomes that were coming into the church. And June Richards just kept saying, to move, I want a miracle. I want to know that I can't do this. It can only be him. And I have to admit, for a while, I found a bit frustrated with her. I keep saying that because we were moving along buying this building. We're going to get a mortgage. You know, uh, I don't know where the miracles, you know, God's going to work. Surely he works in natural ways as well, you know. But she kept saying, I, I want to know that really it's God doing it. And of course, here we're living in a miracle. We're living in a place that we could never, ever have imagined. And he's given it to us for free at the moment. It's just stunning. It's a miracle. Um, yes, we've given, we've lent them £500,000, but in doing that, we honoured or, yes, honoured them in their desire. They'd never have had this building. They, they, there was no way they could have even got in it. Um, it, wouldn't, it would have all fallen apart because they just could not raise the money anywhere. Uh, and yet here we were, we were able to give to them. So it's that thing that in June... She had realized after many years that you can do many things for God. But he wants to do lovely stuff for us and to live in that place where he does it. He, you trust him. You're vulnerable for him to turn up and do things is where we want to be. It appears that, it appears that in this kingdom, we are safest when we are to our most vulnerable, right? And it goes against everything that's in you. Everything cries out to protect yourself, if you like. But really, in this kingdom work, when you put yourself in that position where, oh God, you've got to turn up because I've just given this incredible prophecy of this person. <laughs> you know, you've just got to be there, God. You've got to turn up. 
So my idea of protection is different from his, I think. Um, I would make sure all the arrangements were in place for the trip. Everything was taken care of. The contacts, the meeting places, the finances, the training. Right? And it's a bit like what we're doing. He's, he seems to be so different. But Jesus sent them on a journey that was fully prepared, but not in the way that we think. It was fully prepared because the one who was able to do everything, the Holy Spirit, was going with them. And their reliance was on him. Um, Jesus made sure that they stayed Holy Spirit-centered, Holy Spirit-focused. And that's what I'm encouraging you as a team be Holy Spirit focused. You know, rely on him. Trust him. Yes, you've prepared sermons. And to be honest with you, that's relying on the Holy Spirit because for some of you, it's the first time you might have spoken and it's like trusting him for those words. That is trusting him. But there'll come a point where you've done your best sermon and it will feel like there's nothing happening. It'll feel like a brick wall in front of you. And you're going to have to take the step that goes through that brick wall into the nothing to believe that the one who's come with you, that you're sensing his presence in this group of people, that he, his, your, his peace has come and rested on them, that when you step through that wall, he actually puts something under your feet to walk on and you see him come. You know, unless you become vulnerable, you don't see it. You end up having a series of songs that you've put together and you've sung them. You have a sermon that you've written down and you've given it. It's good. Uh, God will, God's his grace, he'll use it all to get what I mean. But the thing that you're longing for and wanting to learn appears when you put your foot through that brick wall and you say, I am vulnerable, I'm going, I'm, I'm going on this word of knowledge, I'm going on this feeling I've got that I've got to pray for this person over here. I'm going down there. I've got to prophesy over him. I'm feeling like I must have a coffee in this coffee shop. I must sit at this table. I must speak to this family. And then I see something happen that wasn't ever going to happen if I stuck to my principles. Okay? Um, so Jesus provides the direction and his presence. That's what you get from him. <laughs> go here. Go to Tain. And here's my presence with you. Right? What he gave the disciples ensures that natural provision will be there because the Holy Spirit is at work. What does it say in Matthew 6, verse 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. <laughs> Just we forget it. You know, we're so busy trying to do all the provision that we forget that he says, seek first the kingdom and all this comes to us. Okay? See, if naturally you could understand who receives the presence of God, um, you wouldn't need anything else, would you? But you can't naturally do it. it. It's a different language to what you can see and feel every bit of the day. Um they could only know who was worthy because it talks, it talks about, you know, that your presence rests on somebody who's worthy. God's definition of who's worthy is totally different to ours. You can see that in the life of Pharisees. You know, they were well-educated in the scriptures. But, you know, he called them a brood of vipers. 
<laughs> because really their hearts were closed. And the most difficult person can be the person whose heart is worthy to receive the presence of God. A bit like this guy in Manchester, you know, just got made redundant, feeling desperate, feeling whatever he, the emotional thing that he was in. But the Holy Spirit knew there was a heart there that was worthy. And so that only comes through um, that being aware of the presence of the Spirit or, or putting yourself in vulnerability so that you have to grow in this awareness. And just letting you understand this, it's not something that in instantly, oh yeah, I'm totally aware of this, I'm, I can do it now. It's a, it's a bit like learning to swim, you know, it's like you've got to, got to be out there being vulnerable and eventually as you're being vulnerable you start to oh i can swim in this i can i can do it i can be aware of it because that's what's happened to me in church life if i just think about in church ministry it's being willing just to become vulnerable to to that point of god you've got to turn up here i believe in all of this stuff i you're going to turn up now yeah and in doing that, it's just the same thing he wants to. He tells us, go and make disciples of the whole world. Don't do it. Don't do it. So it's that response to the Holy Spirit. We need to rest, you know, rest on him, be aware of him, and we become aware of where he is resting on others. Um, I, I encourage you to invite the kingdom of God to come because that's what Jesus says, you know, declare that the kingdom of God is here. Get it out of your mouth. You know, you might use language like come Holy Spirit. It's the same language, really. You're just saying kingdom is here. What does kingdom mean? It's all of what God's doing, you know. So last week when we were praying for Andy, you know, I, I stopped you a few times. said, look, invite the kingdom to come now. Don't just assume he's always here, but he loves to be invited. And I think part of it is you are beginning to sense the Holy Spirit. You invite him to come. You, oh, I'm aware of you. I know you're here. You're, I see you on this person. I, I'm responding to seeing you on this person. I'm praying for you. Okay. So it's giving up the reins of being in control. Oh, so much of our life we've been taught to teach ourselves how to be in control. You know, but here, with what Jesus is asking us to do in ministry, we've got to give up control. And become, you know, reliant on the Holy Spirit to empower and direct us. All right? His commission was to go and learn how the Holy Spirit moves. So my commission to you is, when you go to Tain, go and learn his ways. Go and learn it. And, you, and if it's like, it's like one step forward, and it's like, that is fantastic. It'll be one step forward. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not saying that you're going to be a, um, a Randy Clark. Come back being a Randy Clark. You might be, but I'm saying, go out and say, I'm vulnerable, God. I'm willing to be vulnerable. And in that being vulnerable, I'm now looking to sense your presence. Some of us feel, sense, aware of more than others. So as a team... Help each other. And, you, and it seems like it, that's why he sent them out in twos, I think. It's like one will go, it's here. And the other one will say, oh, well, I hope it is then because I don't feel anything at the moment. You know, and you'll trust each other. 
So I'm just encouraging you to trust each other and go to 10 and learn his ways. Learn what it's like. Okay? Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.